we live on different planets. In our family, we believe, you know, we don't always agree, um, but we believe in the power of empathy. I went to many um, pro-life marches when I was a child. I mean, a recent decision that came down from the United States Supreme Court was the Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe v. Wade. And right now that I feel for empathy for all women, when you use such a blunt instrument and don't think about the unintended impact um, that's going to happen as a result of that, that's where I'm like, oh, this is just a sad time. Life is sacred. The right to choose is a sacred thing. So you've got two sacred things. Like people will forget what you said and people will forget what you did, but they won't forget how you made them feel. Welcome to Life of the Mind podcast by the Oak Guild Institute. I'm Kate Whitehead, and in the first part of this series, Julie Uman shared with Jake about a few of her family's values. They put them up on their wall in a beautiful collage from sunrise colors to deepest blue. It's inspirational for me to define my own values and also maybe find a creative and meaningful way to use up some white space in my own home. In the second episode of the two-part series, Jake Chaco and his guest Julie Oman continue their dialogue about how to live out values when they collide or conflict with what's going on in their lives, when it gets difficult or it gets hard. What I like about this conversation is how it gets to the core of OGI. The Oak Guild Institute values loving, even if contested, dialogue. We value learning from and connecting with those other people who have different viewpoints than ourselves. OGI spans beyond politics. But today, in this episode, we use a political topic as an example, almost like a workshop, to play out our values in real time. A few notes before we listen in. This conversation was recorded right after the Supreme Court's Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe v. Wade. After nearly 30 years of the Supreme Court precedent defending the right to an abortion in the U.S., this ruling stated the Constitution does not protect the right to an abortion. Legally, U.S. Congress could enact a nationwide law, but as at the time of this recording, it seems unlikely to move forward. Each state now has the freedom to put laws into place, and some have already done so, with outright bans on abortion or lesser stipulations on the timing of abortion. We talk about more than just abortion, but that is one aspect and just wanted to give you a primer. Let's listen into Jake and Julie as they share their personal viewpoints and experiences of living out values of empathy, among other values. This is Jake Chaco, welcoming back Julie Uman in the second half of our conversation. So just to recap, Julie has been talking about the wall of values that she built with her family and how it has helped her, her family, her relationships. And one value on that wall is empathy. We're going to start with that and then use that to talk about some real-time situations, and Julie's going to help me. But let's start with empathy. Julie, why did you pick that particular tile, and why is it on the wall? Yeah, yeah. Um, when that came out, and that was definitely one of the original panels, it definitely meant something else to me than it does now. Um, I spent a lot of time, and that is literally the word that's been emerging for me again and again this year. Um, but the, going back to like empathy itself, like 
the Greek root of empathy is pathos or feeling. And so empathy literally means to be in feeling with someone. And there's a story that helps kind of bring some of that to life. Um, maybe a couple months ago, I was sitting on the couch and Neela comes running over to me, jumps into my arms and is screaming. And I quickly look her up and down to make sure she's not, you know, bleeding. There's no broken bones. And I learned that she's been bit by a bug. And so I was like, oh, oh, okay. And then I set her down to go look at this bug. And it's one of those pincher bugs with the pincers on the tail. And I'm like, oh, Neela, those, those don't bite. You're fine. And I'm just, I'm walking away. And I'm immediately struck by how many different ways I could have handled that situation better. And so I come back around the couch. I sit down with her and I ask her, I was like, Neela, can you please forget everything I just said? Mama needs a do-over. I am so sorry that you are hurting and in pain. Man, were you scared? I'd have been scared. And in that moment that I take the time to practice empathy and connect with her feelings, she feels seen and validated. And I think that's one of the greater, greater things in the world that everyone is searching for, to be seen and validated and taking that time to connect through her feelings, which is just a universal language, um, we were able to connect. And play that forward a little bit, you know, just in my own personal life, one of my biggest challenges around empathy came just after the 2016 election. You know, as I mentioned, um, you know, it was a difficult time for me, the dark night, you know, as you mentioned, uh, I was feeling afraid, attacked, and unsafe. Um, and I grew up in the Midwest, and my parents and I have uh, different political uh, leanings, and so we haven't always agreed over the years. And so one of my biggest challenges on empathy came following that election, where I was hurting and in pain, and I wanted so desperately to be seen. I didn't need my parents to you know, I turned to them for empathy, but I didn't need them to fix anything or to feel my uh, pain for me. I just wanted to be seen and have my feelings validated. Meanwhile, my parents begin to feel a little defensive and they feel uh, afraid and attacked. Afraid of losing their daughter because of where our relationship was going. And I learned later from my sister, Amy, that you know, they felt like I'd lost sight of who they were, these people who I've known for decades, known and loved my whole life, and were just sitting there speaking and talking past each other, not able to connect. And I think the more work you can do on empathy, the more you can bring um, relationships into focus, the more you can see people. And so I've done a lot of work since then to kind of think through how can we connect through, just cut out all the noise, all the politics and everything else, and just get back to connecting through the universal language of emotion and feeling to rebuild those relationships. And so I think a lot of the work that I've done recently has started to bring those relationships back into focus. You know, it's not like everything is crystal clear. There's still some that are a little blurry, um, but we're working on it. And I, I just think there's so much power in that, that ability to connect through emotions and feelings and to help everyone feel seen.
seen. There's a famous quote by Maya Angelou that you probably know, like, people will forget what you said and people will forget what you did, but they won't forget how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. And so kind of coming back to the panel, like, in our family, we believe, you know, we don't always agree, um, but we believe in the power of empathy. Um, and thank you. And, and, and let's dive into that at different levels. And, uh, and this will be a little bit of a risk and a little bit of a real-time uh, uh, exercise for me as well. And hopefully our listeners can take, take it away. But, but before we, we get that vulnerable, I, I'm just struck by... That was Neela, I presume, who was bitten by the bug, not Anjali. Yeah, Neela. Yeah. Uh, okay, so it's interesting. There's the you mentioned Neela, and then you mentioned your parents, and yeah. we have a. Uh, uh, you know, I spend Tuesdays with my two and a half year old grandson now, and we do all kinds of stuff. Uh, and me being an engineer and just logical, but the kid is only two and a half. So I can't, like my natural tendency was just suck it up. But you can't tell the two and a half year old, uh, Jacob, just suck it up. So I said, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry you fell down. Um, did, did, did you get a, did, do you need a Band-Aid? Did you get a boo-boo, you know, at the playground where, where I take him? So the kid teaches me. Uh, yeah. On the other hand, I think we are adults or adults need it as well. But it's interesting that you talked about your, your parents we feel a lot more guarded because at least for yeah. me, I, f- I feel I need to try and change somebody's point of view as opposed to validate who they are. And may- maybe sometimes mm. I feel they're trying to change me as opposed yeah. to validating me. And uh, there's no such issue with a kid. And maybe we should yeah. all become like little kids on this whole issue of empathy. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's a good point. And I think the first thing is everybody wants to be seen. And that starts with feeling like they've been heard and that you really resonate with, you know, their experience and you believe it back to the concept of believing. Um, Brene Brown has an amazing book, Atlas of the Heart. And that's partly what's, you know, also prompted a, a new, uh, renewed interest of mine in empathy. And she talks about one of the, um, common pitfalls of empathy is we often fail to believe the stories people tell us about their pain and their experience because A, it's too dissimilar from our own experience or B, we don't want to be accountable which makes us defensive. Um, and so it, it comes back to believing their experience and connecting with their emotions and their feelings and validating their experience and showing that you believe in them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's, uh, let's take a, a risk. I mean, a recent decision that came down from the United States Supreme Court was the Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe v. Wade. And that's such a loaded uh, issue. Yeah. And it's difficult. It's really difficult to talk about this because there's strong feelings in every side. Uh, we haven't yeah. actually talked about this, so we're doing this in real time. I'm, I can, I can, I'm, I might be able to guess what your position on this might be and what your parents might be, but um, h- how did you handle that? And I'll, I'll just share with you and our, our, our listeners how I'm processing it. Maybe we just have a, a chat about that, but why don't mm. you go first and 
Yeah. Uh, and, and and talk about th- that if, if if you're up for that for that journey. No, no, I think that's that's a really great um, area to talk about in the context of empathy, and it's something that um, as I wrestle with the concept of empathy this year, I try to live it so much more fully in my values. I've been challenged to literally go back and start by leading with my heart and focusing on connecting through emotions. And my parents know about this too, because that was something that we talked about um, earlier this year. And I said, you guys, I'm going to start asking you to connect more on your feelings. And I want to know how you feel, because sometimes that'll help us cut out, cut through all the noise and just get back to connecting. And so this was such a good use case, because obviously it's such a polarizing issue and the stakes are high and we are on different ends of the, the spectrum. We don't agree. And so I called him. I reached out, you know, after the weekend. I think it started maybe that ruling came out on Friday and my dad texted something rather benign on Saturday morning. Like, oh, I hope you have a glorious weekend. And and I know his intent was to, you know, reach out and, you know, share his love and wishes for us. And I was like, man, I am spiraling. I'm hurting. I'm in pain. We live on different planets right now. Like, I'm just not not there. And so I called him because I wanted to be honest and authentic with myself. And I wanted him to know, I said, I, I hadn't talked to them about, you know, their response to the verdict. And I said, you know, I don't know because you haven't told me. I have, a, I have a feeling that you are very happy and just overjoyed because it's something they've literally been praying about for, for years, decades. You know, um, it's a position they feel strongly about. And I said, I don't begrudge you your feelings. You know, I'm, I'm happy that you are joyful. I just want you to know that I am, I am hurting right now and I'm sad and I'm going to need some time to process my emotions. Um, and we, during that conversation, we're, we're still learning how to use this language and how to navigate with this new framework, so to speak. And my mom would chime in and say, oh, but this is the reason. I was like, no, 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 let's, ta- let's pause. Like, first, I, I don't want to know the reasons on everything. I just want to connect on emotions, and I'm going to need some time to process this. And we had a couple more rounds of that before we just realized that for that conversation, all we wanted to do was connect on emotions. And, again, I don't begrudge them theirs, and I don't need them to fix anything or feel my pain for me. I just wanted them to know where I was coming from. And it was very powerful because we didn't get into a fight. I mean, this was a very polarizing issue, and this was an opportunity for us to really, really practice empathy, and we left it there the first conversation. We've, you know, had more conversations then, and I'm going to go to Missouri next week and and definitely have some more because I'm curious, but um, I just, I want to share that, and then maybe we can talk about the others, but. Mm. Thank you for that, and and, uh, I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know your father, um, but I have three daughters and you could be, you know, my daughter kind of, and if I called one of my daughters and just say, it's a glory or have a great weekend, kiddo, uh, I, I wouldn't, I might be exuberant and I'll talk about how I'm processing that decision, but I, let's suppose I was exuberant with that decision. Yeah. I can, as just as a dad, still want the best for my daughter to have a great week and have nothing, nothing to do with that decision. But if you're really down on that decision, just the part of empathy is just realizing the state somebody might be in 
and not coming yeah. over bubbly on something else. I mean, it, this is this is such a such a nuance. Uh, you know, you, you, you can you can have the best of intentions yeah. and take all kinds of false steps, right? Absolutely. That's it's funny because that's another panel, kind of another panel on our wall, which has got in big bold print impact, and then there's a line, and underneath it says intent. So it's impact over intent and really, really realizing that, you know, those two are different and no matter, no matter how much you intend for something to come across, you have to be respectful of the impact. And I know, and I knew from the text message that my dad was oblivious and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't on his radar and that wasn't his intent, which is why I wanted to call him and talk through it. Cause I was like, I don't want to stir up the pot or anything. I just want you to, to, just know how this weekend is a different weekend for our household as we process this. Um, yeah. Hey, so let me share with you because in, both in terms of what has been happening, but also knowing this conversation was happening and I knew we'd get into this topic. It forced me to kind of process um, what's happening precipitated most recently by the Supreme court decisions. So I'll just, I'll just share, right. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I was a, I was still in college when Roe v. Wade was decided, and I, I, my best of my recollection, it was not. I don't remember it as a big deal for me personally. I mean, I don't. Mm. You know, Watergate hearings were happening and all that. I don't. I honestly don't remember Roe v. Wade, and um, at the time, my parents, and therefore me, even though I was in college, was going to a pretty fundamentalist church. And they never brought it up either. So it was a it was a non-issue, hmm. even though that landmark decision had happened now almost 50 years wow. ago, right? So it w- went through the 70s like that. It was not top of mind. And and none of my friends, uh, by and large, dealt with it. I do remember a one couple friend uh, told us that they had had an abortion. And I remember thinking, boy, that just sounds like it's... Uh, you, you just don't decide not to have a baby for convenience. That's uh, not so cool. It's not morally. I don't know about that. But but I didn't I, I didn't agonize over it. But but in the eighties it became. I mean I, I know my sister in law, very Catholic. Uh, you know would start to tell me this is really really, um, really really morally wrong. Uh, and for me I I I. I thought it's still a, still a life uh, and I wouldn't do it but but intellectually people should have the choice and it hit home to me like a month before the decision came down we had to put our, our beloved dog down he was my daughter's dog but when oh, she no. went off to business school she gave it to my uh my wife and she never and it became Sushil's dog and so that same daughter, one of my, our other daughters, and I and Sushil, and it was Sushil's decision to put the dog down. But I remember in April, just watching that dog take its last breath, and I was thinking, oh my gosh, we did that. Um, I still think it was the right decision, but but taking a life, and that's mm. a dog, is, is that life is yeah, sacred. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and if I felt that way for yeah. a dog, what about a human life, right? And this is, I mean, this is a sacred thing. Uh, the decision to terminate a life is a sacred thing. But after the decision, I'm also thinking the right to choose is a sacred thing. It's, it really is a sacred thing. And, 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 and it's more sacred 
as a result of this decision, mm. I've been thinking about it and listening to stories. That's a sacred thing. Life is a sacred thing. So you've got two sacred yeah. things. Oh my gosh, how, how do you handle that? Yeah. I don't. I don't have the answer, but but to me, both are sacred, yeah. and I think I can yeah. respect people who hold only one of those sacred. I think I can respect that. But in terms of empathy, what I can't empathize, and this is a character flaw, is people who don't hold either one of those things sacred, right? But just use it as a bludgeon mm. or a cause. Uh, and I, sh I should learn how to have empathy because something else is driving that. And I haven't, I haven't gotten there yet, just the spirit of sharing. <laughs> it's a journey. It's a journey. Um, that's what, that part of that too is just the curiosity. So like growing up, having um, different political opinions, which weren't always you know, they didn't always diverge. I went to many um, pro-life marches when I was a child and whatnot. Um, but knowing that there is good in everyone and seeing the humanity in everyone and that even though they have different sides and opinions, there is still some common thread and trying to think through empathy and how can you relate, even if it's, you know, not, you know, blocking everything out and just getting back to emotions. It's like trying to find that thread, you know, in our shared humanity where we can connect and because people are not fundamentally good or bad. Um, they all have different reasons for why they support or why they think one thing is sacred or maybe over another or it's hard to see. Um, and it's interesting too, because I'm not of childbearing age right now. I don't plan to expand our family and our daughters are young, but the feelings are so big right now that I feel for empathy for all women. Mm -hmm. um, that are faced with this new, gosh, this new um, state right now. And that's, that's where my feelings come in on how do I be an advocate and help um, that? Because when you use such a blunt instrument and don't think about the unintended impact um, that's going to happen as a result of that, that's where I'm like, oh, this is just a sad time because there's so much unintended impact that's going on right now as a result of that decision and it's hard yeah yeah and and and, and yet at the same time you can see where your folks and others like your folks are coming where they're coming from right yeah and, well there's part of me that can and there's part of me that's still hard and so I'm going to go see him next week and my biggest thing is it's just curiosity. I feel like that's such a gift. If we can start from a foundation of empathy and respect each other's feelings and where we're coming from, and we're obviously not going to try to change anyone's opinion, I'm just always curious, you know, and I want to just come from a space of curiosity to try to better understand um, what's driving their feelings and emotions and, you know, just expand my my brain and my empathy um for both sides mm -hmm, mm -hmm. let me ask you as we start to wrap up here i mean this is like 2017 and we're in, in well into 2022 so you had this dark night of the soul you built this wall which is a beautiful thing you know values starting with we believe um how has that uh, uh, but arguably time has passed 
and arguably the our country our society is even more divided now mm. than when you had that dark night of the soul right unfortunately i mean that seems to be the reality right. uh how has going through that process helped either center you to be able to cope with what we're going through now uh help launch your mm. kids can you just comment on that julie yeah no That's a great question um, because it has become such a foundation of our family and it started when they were so little and now it's just, you know, if, if there's a difficult conversation that comes up, you know, we can point to the wall. It's like we know what we believe in as a family um, and even the canvases themselves, the lettering, they're, they're vinyl stickers. So we've we've updated some of the canvases over time to reflect our lived experience and values and beliefs that are emerging for us in the time. A lot of them honestly have not even changed because they were just, they've been so true. Um, but that's one thing too. I think as a parent, I've always struggled with, man, how am I going to raise our children? How are we going to still, you know, how are we going to raise good individuals? And I used to underestimate, um, the value of just shared values like that becomes our family's unique religion of you know how our moral moral compass and so it helps like with the love as no labels it helps make the conversations easier and it helps provide a framework um for what we believe which hopefully you know one of my greatest hopes is that then later that will help form these amazing humans or daughters, you know, that they're capable and they have the tools to go out into the world and have a good foundation and background to make good choices and be good human beings. A tough what if question. It's hypothetical. I mean, because part of this is each of our own journey and including when you look at that wall and how are you living into those mm-hmm. values, et cetera, it's, it's Julie Uman's journey as well. Um, what if, you know, one of your kids, notwithstanding the wall and everything, come back years later and take positions that uh, go against, on the surface, yeah. would go against uh, your values. But on the other hand, it's a position they're yeah. taking and they deeply believe that. Uh, do you think you're better able to handle that or would that, you know... Uh, that's still going to create anguish or I miss mean, a hypothetical one, but yeah. we all get heartbreaks with family and everything. So what, totally. what do you, what, what do you uh, feel, Julie? That's a good question. Um, and it's something I've grappled with, you know, for years, even just with um, my own family. And I think the lessons I've learned that hopefully I can take into a future, you know, conflict such as that, that would arise is, the, to lead with your heart and to connect with emotions and then to be curious, you know, because they're inherently good humans. I know their hearts. Um, and so if we disagree, that's fine. We're different people. Um, but hopefully we've set a foundation where we're able to still communicate. And again, if we can lead through emotions and connect through our feelings, I feel like that's a really good foundation to start from and the curiosity will just help me understand different perspectives, which I think is always valuable, which I've also always been grateful for having grown up in the Midwest and now living in deep blue California is the perspective. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think what you said earlier, like what you told your dad and each other, and you might have that conversation with their daughters when they're adults, just summon your feelings and just start from there. Because if the love yeah. is there, then you start with the feelings. Yeah. Yeah, th this has been a great conversation. And I'm going to ask you to kind of summarize in a second. But for our listeners, the stuff uh, we've been talking about uh, goes to the essence of of humanity, and I'll, I'll, I'll just, you know, there's a philosopher named Dallas Willard who, who had a series of questions, and we've been talking all around it, but these are just such fundamental questions like, who, who am I? Who is a good person? How do, I, how do I become a good person? What is a good life? Uh, how do I live a good life? Everything we've been talking around with your wall of values and everything uh, all revolve around trying to find guideposts to, to at least get directionally towards the answers to those kind of questions. So it's, it's actually very, very deep. And uh, I know I'm, I'm grateful our, our listeners as they ponder this would be as well. Um, let me ask you, as you look to the future, what are your, what are your fears and what are your hopes, Julie? Oh my. Um... Fears, you know, being perfectly candid, it's just you and I, Jake, um, here right now. Um, fears are that the world continues down a divisive path and we, we further, you know, we, um, we become more tribal and it's us versus them. And so one of my greatest hopes for the future is that we can learn to just break through that and stop listening to the media and all these other messages we hear that continue to reinforce our tribalism and get back to, you know, discovering our shared humanity and all the things that bring us together instead of, you know, could be framed as something to drive us apart. And I do honestly, and again, I'm exploring it now, like I feel like empathy and connecting with emotions, which are completely neutral and everybody has, <laughs> can experience the feelings and emotions that that's a really good start to helping everyone feel seen and validated. Thank you. Those are, those are really, really wise, wise words. And I'll just close with this to kind of uh, maybe affirm you. And this is, uh, you know, for, from, the, from the scriptures, but I think it's also very wise. A person may think that their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart and, I would say that the Lord has weighed your heart and has found it good. So, so in that sense, I, I, I thank you for sharing, uh, Julie. It's a very deep conversation. I think all of us will be able to take away something from that for ourselves. So uh, thank you for sharing of yourself and how you handled it for yourself, your family, and your relationships. Much, much appreciated. Thank you, Jake. Those are very kind words, and I really appreciate um, this opportunity to, to share part of my story. I sometimes confuse compassion and empathy. So here are the definitions. Compassion is sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. Empathy is the next level, the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Both are important, but the value of empathy was tested out with Julie and Jake in today's podcast as they discussed abortion. 
So I want to know what you think about abortion decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, and how will you act and react to those who disagree? If you rejoice in the news of what you see as saving lives, can you have empathy for the feelings of sadness by some who believe this is actually denying a woman's right to her own health and her own future? If, on the other hand, you are hurting because of the loss of protection to that future, can you have empathy for the feelings of pain some have had for nearly 30 years about loss of protection of unborn babies? Empathy is not agreeing with the reasons behind the pain or joy, or even understanding it intellectually. But empathy is recognizing and sharing in another's feelings. Empathy is a deeper way to bring people together. To share our humanity of loving empathy, well, that's not a bad value to put on our wall. Julie says, her fears are that we become more tribal. It's us versus them. So let's get back to discovering our shared humanity to bring us together. And I think that's a fitting way to close. Thank you again to Jake Chaco, as always, for leading such an insightful conversation. And special thanks to our guest, Julie Uman, for authentically sharing how to live out her values in this world. We believe the colors of us, love has no labels, empathy, impact over intent. Thank you. Hi, this is Jake Chaco with a late adder postscript on empathy, a value both Julie Uman and we at OGI Hold Dear. After we had recorded and edited this podcast, both the conversation with Julie and Kate's comment, both Kate and I were in a conversation with John Ortberg. If you remember, John was in the two-part Life of the Mind podcast on emerging technologies and their implications on personhood. John pointed us to the work of Paul Bloom, a researcher at Yale, who has a contrarian view on the automatic goodness of empathy. Empathy, which is the ability to deeply feel and know what someone or someones are feeling, can, per Paul, be used to manipulate potentially for evil. Bloom says a tyrant, say Hitler, could take his deep understanding of the frustrations of the German people and turn Christian Germans against German Jews. Hence, the ability to feel or know deeply is not by itself a, quote, good value. Hmm. At OGI, we are on a relentless search for truth, ever deeper truth. This sounds like a topic for future exploration. Thank you for joining the Oak Guild Institute's Life of the Mind podcast. We encourage you, the listener, to share this episode with another and start a dialogue where our curiosity is explored through unique experiences and diverse perspectives. It's always okay to respectfully and lovingly disagree with ideas and interpretations of events you listen to here or get from other sources. To find out about new episodes, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And visit oakguild.org to learn more about our other efforts to deepen and broaden the conversation.